0: Praise God. Well, happy Palm Sunday. Amen. Grab your palm branches, wave them around in the air like you just don't care. We're having a party right up in here, up in God's house for the Lord. <clears throat> Man, I'm so blessed to be here on this Palm Sunday and uh, so grateful to see all of your beautiful faces. We see folks that are coming to church every week for the last two months. We've been seeing new families, new people that are making their way back to God's house for the first time in over a year through the pandemic. God is so good. God is so good. And like my, my wife said, want to welcome those of you that are following us online this morning. Um, we know that you're having church with us. It ain't the same like being here in the house of God, but it'll have to do for now until you all are ready. I know many people have been getting the vaccine. How many of you know that um, it is a blessing for us to, to feel like we are starting to come out of this whole situation and being established in some semblance of normalcy. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And today, we continue our study in the theology of suffering. The theology of suffering. And my hope and prayer today is that we marry both The biblical theology of suffering with the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because I believe that they go hand in hand. I believe that Jesus, as my beautiful wife has mentioned, as he entered into Jerusalem some seven days before Passover. For the great feast that they celebrated. It sparked a tremendous movement. It set in motion something that the people of God had been following along with for centuries, if if not millennia. And so... The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Last week, Pastor Coba reminded us that you can't get to Sunday without Friday. How many of you were here and, and, and heard the message last week loud and clear? You can't get to Sunday unless you go through Friday. Friday is very important. Friday is very significant because Friday was the day of suffering for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it wasn't just a day of suffering for Christ. It was a leading up. How many of you have ever heard the saying the thought of the thing is worse or then the fear is worse than the thing itself. The thought of Something is worse than the thing itself. The fear of something is what is invoked in us before we even get to the moment. You ever had to speak in front of a large crowd before, and, and you had just been nervous, and you had just been um, working through all of those, those emotions, but then you get into the moment, and it's like, boom, God just like lets you just flow you know what I'm talking about, or the big game. The thought of the big game, the thought of going to the Super Bowl, the thought of of going to Nationals, the thought of the big test, the thought of the midterm exam, the thought of it sometimes is worse than the exam itself. It's not always the case, sometimes the exam is just like too dang hard. But Paul says right here, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And we, the body of Christ, the reason why we look upon Palm Sunday year after year, the reason why we celebrate Easter year after year, because in good tradition, Jesus, along with all of the rest of the Jewish people, celebrated the Passover. And so there's nothing wrong with celebrating high holy days as part of our faith, or our religion. Religion is not a bad word. Although it's trendy to say it's about relationship, not religion. Well, it's both. Why do you think we gather together every week religiously? Because it's a part of what God has called us to do. It's why the Jews gathered every week on their Sabbath day to worship and to teach and preach the word of God. Amen? Amen. So it's both religion and its relationship, but relationship is foremost. Amen. So if I would um, kindly ask for you to turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I would like to establish the context for John 12. We celebrate Holy Week. And it's very interesting for us in the faith. Morning, Lizzie. Morning, babies. David and Lizzie are down from Seattle, my brother and sister, with the four kids. Praise God. It's good to see you guys on this Palm Sunday. What a treat that's been. We celebrate, It's crazy, watch this, death. That's kind of twisted thinking, isn't it, a little bit? But the reason why we celebrate the death of Jesus and the coming of the death of Jesus is because we get a chance to look back and give thanks for what Jesus did for us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 that he who knew no sin became sin himself so that we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. And so because of what Jesus did, we celebrated, we give thanks. And Holy Week is a very significant moment in the life of the church. The first seven days of Holy Week. Why do we, why do we start on Palm Sunday? Why did, why did the, the triumphal entry of Jesus riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, why did it begin seven days prior? Well, because part of the Jewish custom and the Levitical tradition to prepare for Passover. Everybody say prepare. It's why we all, we get our stuff together for Holy Week. It's why it is a big fuss for us as the church to celebrate and to worship and to place such a high importance on Holy Week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and everything in between. It's because for, for seven days, people who were bringing their, their sacrifices to the temple had to go through a ritual cleansing, a purification. They had to go through the Levitical purification in order to present their sacrifices there at the temple so that they could prepare for the Passover. So there was a a preparation time. So people would prepare to go up to Jerusalem for weeks. They would prepare and make all of their arrangements for weeks on end before they actually went to Jerusalem. And people would come in caravans. And people would come in droves. People would come in waves on their way to Jerusalem. And so because of this sacrificial purification Process that was imp- that was implemented by the the Levites or the priests of the the temple was well, so that they could also prepare for the sacrifice, the unblemished lamb, the perfect lamb that would atone for the sin of the person bringing or. His family, most of the time it was his family, the male, the, the, the patriarch of the family brought the sacrifices to the temple on behalf of his family. And so that prepares us for what we're now going to read in John chapter 12. Turn with me to John 12 verse 1. and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So now we're, we're, we're now looking at a scene in John 12 between Jesus and Martha, Mary, and who? Lazarus. Three siblings, Lazarus being Jesus' best friend, the Bible says. Martha served. She was waiting tables. And Mary worshipped. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objective, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Other versions of the Bible says he used to pilfer the treasury. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, Jesus said. Jesus said, Let's get some things straight. Let's get our priorities in order. Amen. Sometimes we got to get our priorities in order. Sometimes we have to be reminded. Sometimes life has a way of reminding us. Sometimes God uses life. Sometimes God uses people. Sometimes God uses situations. Sometimes God uses circumstances to get our attention so that we reevaluate and we reprioritize our life and put things back into order so that the following, the sequence that God wants us to follow and the order of worship and service of Jesus Christ is established in our lives especially for our homes and our families but we got to listen we got to pay attention we got to be open we got to keep our hearts open to what God is showing us amen Jesus says you'll always have the poor among you but you will not always have me I don't think Jesus was was speaking necessarily negatively about the poor as much as he was saying the importance is that the, the bridegroom is here and it's time to pay attention to what the bridegroom has to say. Amen? Meanwhile, a large crowd, verse 9, of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Oh, wow. They were going over to Jesus. They were trading in their loyalties. They were redirecting. Their worship, their focus, their attention, their substance, their money, in following Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. Pause for a moment. These palm branches signify victory, and they would lay them down on the road whenever a commander of the army or a king of a nation would be coming back from war, passing through all the the towns and the villages back to the capital or the palace, and they would lay the, the, the palm branches there. People would throw their cloaks down and hail the king who was coming through, and they shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. In the book of Matthew, it says, Hosanna, blessed is the son of David. Hallelujah. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and had raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See? This is getting us nowhere. Now look how the whole world has gone after him. Now we see right here, as we take a a moment of pause in the scripture, that Jesus had come to Jerusalem for the Passover, just like everybody else. And they were having a celebration, a feast in honor of Jesus. It was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and all of their friends and family who wanted to say thank you to Jesus for raising him from the dead. And while Martha served and Lazarus was kicking it, Mary broke open a flask of pure nard, of precious perfume and poured it upon Jesus' body. She poured it on his feet and began to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. This also for us, as we see John here laying out his story, of the Passion Narrative of Jesus, likens the worship of Mary in preparing Jesus' body as for his burial. Its own purification worship, a process of washing, a process of bringing Jesus who is the lamb of god and preparing him 7 days before his death before his sacrifice in keeping with good jewish tradition john highlights the 7 days that is why we start palm sunday 7 days prior to the resurrection of jesus on next sunday isn't that awesome Isn't that beautiful? So it wasn't just Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, which was prophesied in the prophet Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It wasn't just people calling out to Jesus and yelling out, Hosanna, which means, save us. Lord, save us. It wasn't just Seven days leading up to the Passover feast and celebration. No. My friends. We recognize victory over sin and death in the the death of Jesus. But the moment Jesus sat upon the donkey and came riding into Jerusalem. Pay attention. Jesus' humble entrance into Jerusalem set in motion a sequence of events that had been spoken about and prophesied prophesied about for hundreds and thousands of years. Jesus' triumphal entry and the way that he did it and all of the details set in motion The execution of a massive cosmic plan that could not be reversed by anybody, not by any government, not by a person, not any kind of interference, no intervention, nothing could now stop the gears that had been set in motion by God. This great redemption plan for the perfect lamb to take the place of you and I on a cross. To die the death of a criminal. Hallelujah. For the hour had come. Amen. How many of you know that when, when your eyes are set on the thing that you are going to do. There's nothing that can pull you away or deter you from where you're going. Or what you what God has placed in your heart. Like a track athlete that, step, that gets in the blocks. And when the gun goes off. There's nothing. And that's how Jesus was. His eyes were fixed on Calvary. Jesus' gaze was not fixed on the people below. Jesus didn't pay attention to those who lined the streets. Some came to worship and praise. Some came to doubt. Some came to mock. Some came to plot. Some came confused. Some came because they were curious. Everybody stopped what they were doing. Men dropped the hammer. Women left the tortillas on the griddle. Soccer balls were rolling down the streets when they all heard that the king of the universe was passing by. They didn't want Jesus to pass them by without at least getting a glimpse of this person that they had been talking about that raised Lazarus from the dead people. But the Bible says clearly that they did not all believe. The Pharisees did not want to believe because their whole institution was upended. Their whole paradigm was turned upside down. Jesus was messing with their money. And they didn't like it. Oh, see, look, the whole world is following him now. We should have done something about it before, but guess what? There wasn't anything they could have done. They had no chance in heaven or hell to stop what God had already preordained, to stop what God had already set in motion, to stop the gears of time, fate, destiny, and plans of redemption for the whole universe and every other universe that is possibly out there. Can somebody say amen? Now, there were some Greeks, verse 20. NIV version. Among those who went up to worship at the feast, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida or Bethsaida or Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we'd like to come and see Jesus. And Philip went to Andrew. And Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it, even unto eternal life. Hallelujah. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus says in verse 27, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. I was born for this. Jesus said, I was born born to ball out. And nobody could stop me. It's why I said yes from eternity. It's why when Father God said, who will go, Jesus said, send me. No question. It's why when the leper in Luke chapter 5 threw himself at Jesus' feet, breaking all social protocols and all medical COVID-19 protocols, and said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus said, to heck with the protocol. And stretched out his hand and touched the leper on the head and said, so shall it be done. And Jesus healed the man because of his faith. can nobody stop Jesus from doing what he set out to do, what he was born to do. Jesus was not a man that he was born, not made. Jesus always was. Jesus always is. Jesus always will be. Hallelujah. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again, which is the second coming. Then the crowd that was there and heard it said it. It had thundered. Others said, an angel had spoken. But Jesus said, somebody say, but Jesus said. But Jesus said, said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Hallelujah. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus told them, you're going to have The light, just a while longer. Walk while you have light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light. How many of you want to put your trust in the light? While you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Let's continue. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, right there in front of them, they still would not believe in him. But this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, and they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Let's pause for a moment. You see what John does here in the text? What I'm doing today is teaching us the word of God. God placed it on my heart to bring us through the scripture. To see how John sets up the scripture with the, the Old Testament. And the prophet Isaiah. And the psalm. Psalm 118 verse 25. Zechariah 9.9. 9. John sets up the triumphal entry of Jesus. To demonstrate the fulfillment of the prophecies that were made about the Messiah, or the Christ, or the King of Israel. The King that would once come and set up his throne forever. John wants to make it very clear. He references specifically and uses Isaiah's name, which... Not all of the Bible authors do. Sometimes they simply reference an Old Testament scripture, but they don't always use the author or the name of the book from which they're referring. But John does so here. John also explains not only The sequence of events that are going to unfold and be explained and lived out before the people of Israel. He also goes to great pains explaining what happens also after the death of Jesus and the resurrection of of our Lord. Which I think is very helpful for us to understand. Bible says my people die for lack of knowledge. Today, I believe, we can apply that to Scripture. We need to know the Scriptures. We need to study the Scriptures and read the Word of God for ourselves. Not just taking the pastor's word for it on Sunday morning. Although we we love and we live for this, to teach and to preach the good news of Jesus Christ but it's our desire that all of us would come to know intimately the Holy Scriptures and to be able to look into the science of the Bible and intellectually make sense of our faith and not just have an emotive response to what Jesus has done, not just a, an emotion of, or a heart of thanksgiving unto God, but so that we can also think through the things of God so that we can scientifically understand and comb through the scriptures and line things up so as to make sense of it in our hearts, but also in our minds. Hallelujah. So I love what John is doing. Verse 42. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, They would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Pay attention right here. This is applicable to us in the church. We're like the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. For they loved titles more than worshiping God himself. Many believed, but nobody ever knew about it. We'll let that set, set in for a moment. Many believed, but they were afraid of man. They were afraid of people. They were afraid of what people would say. They were afraid of losing their position. They were afraid of losing their place. They were afraid of losing prestige. They were afraid of praying in public. They were afraid of talking about Jesus to their uncle that they look up to and have looked up to their whole lives for fear of what he'll think of them. Afraid of what their parents would say because they were raised in a different faith or different kind of religion. Or because they were baptized according to a different tradition. they love praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them. I do not judge them, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day, for I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded. He commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Wow. Jesus was born to die. And all we have to do is say yes. You don't even got to die. to believe. I mean, we're all gonna die at some point. But Jesus paid the price for us. Jesus paid the penalty for us. Jesus came into Jerusalem to die. His entrance into Jerusalem was for the people of his day a short-lived experience. Someone whom they thought was going to deliver them from the Roman rule, let them down according to their thinking. They thought Jesus was supposed to be some sort of political Messiah. Someone who would save them from their oppressors. But Jesus didn't just come to heal their body. Jesus came to do what? Forgive us of our sins. Didn't he tell the the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Oh, yeah, by the way, get up, roll up your mat, and go home. Jesus had his priorities in order. Do we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah hallelujah sometimes somebody's gotta pay the price so we can all enjoy the ride somebody's gotta pay uh, that admission price to Disneyland somebody's gotta go to work every day and save up a thousand bucks to go that's about how much it Cost these days to take a family of five or six to Disneyland, unless you get hooked up by your uh, your boss at work. But I'm so I'm slowing the, the pace way down for us today because I want to bring understanding to all of us. And sometimes I believe reading through scripture gives us the understanding that we need. Tiger, can you come get my jacket? Turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 13. As we think about and understand a theology of suffering and why we have to suffer, or why bad things have to happen, why we must endure, persevere, why we have to remain steadfast and overcome, why we have to be patient in affliction. It's because God wants to bring us through the fire. Amen. God wants to refine us. And so he sets it up here through the prophet Isaiah. And I want to make sure that we read through these scriptures very slowly and very closely. And again, it's a reminder for us to bring your Bibles to church or pull out your phone and pull up the the app and follow along in scripture. And if you just like to listen, that's fine, too. But I, I find that it's helpful to follow along in the scripture so that we can understand it. We can have recall of God's word. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human recognition. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. So here Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah, the death of the Messiah, nearly 700 years before all of this takes place. What we just read about in John chapter 12. So now, because we're in Holy Week, and we're making our ascent to Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, I want us to have a fuller understanding of the breadth of Scripture that goes into this understanding for the church, for a believer, for a disciple. What's a disciple? A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a player, and the coach is the one who teaches them the plays. So God gives us the playbook so that we could understand his grand scheme. It's not enough to just say yes to God, but then God says, okay, now what? And then we say, where do I go? What do I do? What do you need from me, Lord? So check it out what it says. Chapter 53, verse 1. He who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up before me like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. For crying out loud, he rode into Jerusalem, hailed as a king, riding on a donkey. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, watch this, you guys, and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God and smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities simply means our shortcomings, our failures. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. King James Version says, by his stripes we are healed. That's why when we pray for healing over somebody, we oftentimes say, and by his stripes we are healed. And by faith we proclaim healing over the one who is sick or infirmed or in need of a touch by God. Because Jesus' body was broken, and his blood was shed for you and I. That's why we celebrate the victory, and the death of Jesus because of the resurrection that conquers all. He was oppressed. Verse 6, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We need, to, we need to memorize these scripture verses, people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin so that we, the people of God, might become the righteousness of God. Verse 7. He was oppressed. And afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a slant, like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. If Jesus wanted to stop this whole thing, he would have. He could have. He had conversations with Pilate, and you're like, Pilate, come on, bro, I really don't want to go through this. I really don't deserve it. I'm an innocent man. I've never hurt a soul. You can ask all of the people that I know. I could even provide and produce some mean character reference letters if you give me the time. I could get, I could get back at you in about a day. Uh, Jesus, being a, a good Jewish lawyer himself, Being an advocate, a teacher of the law, he could have talked his way out of anything if he wanted to. He could have called down a legion of angels if he wanted to. But he didn't. He suffered. Because it was foretold that he would. That's why when Jesus saw on the cross, one of the last seven words was, it is finished. All of the, these scriptures were being fulfilled, one after the other. And get this, it was the beginning of an end for Jesus. It was the beginning of the end for Jesus. And this power-packed Holy Week that we celebrate, which is, which is something that we have to recognize as his church, is so significant because of our understanding of the suffering servant here in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who could speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. That seems very uncanny, very, very canny, right? The resemblance to the Gospels, and the death that Jesus died, the death of a criminal, even death on a cross. And with the rich in his death, verse 9, part B, Joseph of Arimathea, paid off the Jewish leaders so that they would give him Jesus' body along with Nicodemus, and Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb, fulfilling this verse. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. It was Father God's will to crush him. And cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. How many of you know that Jesus justified us all? In other words, it means that Jesus has made us right. And our faith that we place in Jesus is what makes us righteous. So the suffering servant of God, who is Jesus Christ, is the righteousness of God. And it's our faith in Jesus that makes us righteous and holy, belonging to God. By virtue of our proclamation, our confession, our profession. That Jesus is God. That he died on the third day. And rose again, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Verse 12, therefore I will give him a portion among the great. He's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Jesus is the goat. LeBron ain't got nothing on him. Neither does Wayne Gretzky. Neither does Babe Ruth. Not even Kobe, my poor Angelinos. Not even Tom Brady. They can't even hold Jesus' jock strap. <laughs> not even worthy. And he will divide the spoils with the straw because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The word of God. The word is a lion. She can defend herself. I pray that we enter into Holy Week maybe with a little bit more of an understanding of everything that Jesus had to go through and why. I pray that this long walk that we just took down Jerusalem, from Isaiah to Psalm, to Zechariah and to the gospel according to John I pray that the scriptures will continue to light up the path of your life I pray that the word of God would be the power and the authority that you need to change your situation and to turn your life around I pray that today if, if you have not made a decision for Jesus Christ and after hearing the scriptures and being walked through the scriptures that today you'd make a decision for Jesus and so I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads and 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 close your eyes right now as we simply reflect reflect on all that God did to reflect on the praise that was lavished upon Jesus by all who it and those who didn't nonetheless we, the people of God, have a chance, have the opportunity to make things right with him while we have breath in our lungs. We thank you, Father. We, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. But if there's anybody here today that would like to invite Jesus to come into their heart. And that's you. I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. Maybe somebody's following us online at home and, and you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your heart. Right now is the best time to just say, Yes, Lord. You have access to God himself. And the altar is wide open. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. All ye who are burdened, take his yoke upon you, hallelujah, hallelujah, and invite those who are here at the front to just raise your hands to the Lord right there where you are, we thank you Father for lives that are renewed Lord Jesus, relationships Father God that are being restored and mended Father God, oh Lord Jesus.